You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. What's up, Trekkies? And Veronica Daschle. Hi. Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? We do. Got a couple of things I was checking out for the month of February. The first one I found, no, uh, January, because we, we're in uh, this week, we're the last bit of January. 1994, on the 31st of January, saw the debut of a candle in Dr. Beverly Crusher. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest is history. It's the So Bad It's Good Sub Rosa. Yeah. I didn't like that one when it came out. Me either. But we we, we rewatched it just a few years ago when we were doing our Mm -hmm. Halloween episodes. And I kind of like the atmosphere of it. I like the sort of Scottish feel to the planet and things like that. It's not, it's not quite as bad as I remembered it being, but (laughs) I still wouldn't count it as a top TNG episode. No, it's definitely a romance novel. Yes, it really is. And and what's funny is, um, you know, when you talk about the diversity of Star Trek in the future, the, 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 um, the mayor of the town is an absolute alien who just loves Scottish stuff. Right. And then what's really funny is Beverly's uh, grandmother's housekeeper, the guy who's care for the family. He is so much out of a bad movie. He's like, there's a ghost there. You got to leave out the house. And he's got like a really bad accent. And he walks right. straight out of a bad horror movie. Um, yeah. I read an interview that Gates McFadden said she actually likes it. I was thinking okay. she was gonna, that she hated it. And because there's a really kind of embarrassing scene that she has the film let's just say yeah. she's having a dream and yeah she and patrick stewart who directed just they just went for it <laughs> yeah yeah hey good for them yeah give, give her credit <laughs> right also now on the i'm gonna say that with the last on the first of february 1967 this is like they say history was made finally after several rewrites and several arguments and several battles the original series writing staff delivered the final, many times submitted and revised draft for The City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. Finally wow. locked that sucker down. That one worked out. <laughs> yeah. Except everybody, except for, what's his name? Um, is it Harlan Ellison? Yeah. Harlan Ellison, who everybody knows, we've talked about him many times in the show, just absolutely disowned the episode. And of course, for those who don't know, the original script is written or the story is written by Harlan Ellison. There was, there was literally a drug dealer on the Enterprise and a drug user on the Enterprise. And there's p- space pirates who show up, no lie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ron Gray's like, I can't have drug dealers and drug users on the Enterprise in the future. We got to change this script. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're curious about it, there was an audio adaptation of Harlan's original script, Mm. as well as a comic book adaptation. So his version eventually got out there. But, I mean, I got to be honest, I like the original version just fine. Yeah, same here. But I think ironic and changing in history, and it just shows how times have changed. I can absolutely see somebody do a Star Trek treatment in one of the series now where there is a drug addict on Mm -hmm. the Enterprise. Maybe not a drug dealer. But I can see somebody being addicted to something because we actually had that storyline with T'Pol in Enterprise, kind of sort of. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, times have changed. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. Oh, 1967, second of February. This is I bring this up because this is just a personal favorite of mine. That was the debut of the original series episode Court Martial, starring okay. one of our favorite lawyers in all of TV, <laughs> Samuel <laughs> yep. T. Cogley, attorney at law. That's right. Great episode. Also, kind of a bit of historical because Star Trek was establishing a precedent. Um, I had some debates with some Facebook people recently who were talking about, you know, people like the kind of retcon. There's a whole thing about no women captains in Star Trek. And mm. some people were saying, well, of course, there were female captains. But the thing is, at the time the series premiered, the bottom line was there were no female captains in Star Trek, at least not in the Federation. The right. only commanders you saw were alien commanders, like the Romulan commander. And if you bring in the Tira from um, the world's hollow knife, touch the sky, there mm -hmm. were no female captains. And the reason this argument comes up is people argue about uh, the turnabout intruder. And was Janice Lester crazy when she said there was no women in Star Trek? Was that all on her head? Well, at the time it was written, the intention was no, there were no women captains in Star Trek. And the reason I mentioned this show, though, it was still, while still a little bit sexist, you have Ariel Shaw in this episode, who is a prosecuting attorney. Now, she's Kirk's old love, but she's a prosecuting attorney. And that's a big deal back in mm -hmm. 1967 to have a woman. She's not co-counsel, co-chair with a man. And despite the fact that she and Kirk have a relationship, it's not like he's she's under his thumb or anything like that. She's an independent right. character. That's a big deal back then. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, just love that episode. Uh, 1967 also, 2nd of February, premiered. Here we go, another classic one. That was the final day of filming on Errand of Mercy, which oh the Klingons. Yeah. And absolutely one of the greatest. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great episode. Elements of it don't hold up. I mean, you still got <laughs> a bunch of white dudes painted like, you know. <laughs> Genghis Khan. Yeah, but, I mean, I, yeah, but I think that, I mean, as far as an episode of science fiction, I think it's a fantastic episode. And John Colicos delivers a wonderful performance. And I'm thrilled that he came back on DS9 mm -hmm. and yes. was able to revisit Core. And yes. it seems like Core is more remembered for those episodes now than he is for <laughs> Errand of Mercy. Yeah, yeah, he's really, no small spoilers, but the way he went out in Deep Space Nine was appropriate. I thought that mm -hmm. was great. Uh, yeah. Um Everyone of Mercy also is, was one of the starts of the Star Trek trope of the godlike aliens so advanced right. that they're beyond us and little deus ex machina, but an absolutely great episode. Uh, right. I got I got two more. On 1968 <laughs> was the debut of the Magatu. Oh. <laughs> or the Gumto or the Mugato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those who don't remember, that's the white gorilla with the crazy spines on the back in yeah. the v Vietnam War analog so. A Private Little War, which is actually a better episode than I think some people give it credit for. It's kind of yeah. goofy with the Bugatu. Um, it's a little bonk bonk on the head with the Vietnam War analogy. <laughs> but I actually like that show. Uh, yeah, it's got some good stuff. It's got yeah. the whole Vulcan healing themselves thing, the famous Christine slapping Mr. Spock. I mean, um, um, Nurse Chapel slapping Mr. Spock because, of course, Vulcans have to do something weird like come out of a... Yeah, injury at the last second. It has Dr. Mabinga in it. Uh, it's it's a really good episode. I think it holds up, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a fun one. Yeah, and the last one, I'm going backwards in time. First of February, 1934. I don't usually do birthdays, but I thought this birthday was important. One Paul Carr was born. Oh. 
And that I means mean, something to Kelso Charles. himself, yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> he played Kelso in the original pilot, and no, the second pilot, where no one has gone before. Spoilers, mm-hmm. spoilers, spoilers. He gets choked by a cable by Gary Mitchell using telekinesis, mm-hmm. and it results in the famous line for which our own Charles has his, his uh, Facebook handle, and that is, Kelso is dead. That's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way. Uh Outside of all that, he is one of the many characters from the couple of pilots that didn't last that I think would have been great additions to the Star Trek universe. It's too bad he oh, only yeah. had the one shot. Yeah, I think so too. I I I mean that was back when those great old character actors who they would they mm-hmm. would just go and do guest star appearance after guest star appearance on all these different shows. But yeah. I mean, oftentimes they were as memorable. I mean, the thing the first season of Star Trek had like 32 episodes. So the yes. fact that a guest star is as memorable as he is. Absolutely. Um, it's fantastic. And yeah, my 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 pen name and stage name is borrowed from Mr. Kelso. <laughs> Great. And that's what this week in Trek history. Awesome. Well, turning from history to uh, some news in the future, it's been a while since we've, d- we've done any Star Trek news. And there's been some big uh, some big talks, not necessarily developments yet, but. Some interesting things going on with Paramount and with Star Trek. So we thought we would do a little roundup of the latest Star Trek news and then maybe do some speculation if we have time about what's to come in the future. Um, So starting off on a lighter note, I mean, the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, are to receive a special Lifetime Achievement Saturn Award. Wow. That is great. Yeah, I I think that's well-deserved. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they they were they've been a huge contribution to science fiction television, even yeah. before this most recent season. But the fact that they all came back all these years later and got such great material and gave such wonderful performances, I think it's great that they're getting recognized for that. So I'm assuming Will Wheaton is not included in this, then. <laughs> Actually, I think he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's, 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 uh, yeah. On hand to accept the award will be Sir Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Michael Dorn, and Will Wheaton. While not present, TNG cast members LeVar Burton and Jonathan Frakes are also being bestowed with this honor. Both actors had to send their regrets due to scheduling conflicts. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you mention Denise Crosby? I just, um, I just literally, or was she one mm-hmm. of the ones? No. She was not listed in the, the ones that I had listed here. Wow. I mean, since she only lasted one season. Not even a season. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that kind of stings for her, but, you know. It, yeah, it, it probably does. so. I mean, on, on the one hand, I mean, this cast, I mean, Will Wheaton didn't last seven years, but he lasted right. several years. Right. But, I mean, the the core cast stayed together for seven years, plus yep. four films, mm-hmm. plus reuniting for Star Trek Picard. Um, I mean, I like Denise Crosby, but I mean, she made her decision to leave the show yeah. early in season one when she had the, I mean, she could have stayed. Yeah. You know, that's true. so I wish nothing but the best for her, but um, I'm really thrilled that this cast who put all the work in all those years are being recognized. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and the, the committee that from the Saturn Awards, they'd also given a Saturn Award to, I, th- I believe Leonard Nimoy has won one. I'm almost sure Shatner has won one and has presented several times. And one of the things they said was the Saturn Award for this category is typically for an individual. But mm-hmm. as TNG has become so incredible, as you said, important, right. uh, accomplishing what nobody thought. Because I remember when it first came out, people doubted it was going to last. And even the original series yeah. cast, were, they were kind of saying, ah, it's not going to last. And it ended up not being a clone. And it is, frankly, so many people's now Star Trek entree. Um, yeah. Yeah. We have so many people who have not even seen the original series. So they mm-hmm. they said they had to give them credit because they 
absolutely reestablish the franchise. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but there were a lot of such and such the next generation or such and such the new such and such in the late eighties, whether from Gidget to the monkeys to star Trek. Um, there was at one point, I think this was more in the nineties, but there was also like a, you know, um, Bonanza, the next generation and that kind of stuff. And all that stuff tends to be a flash in the pan. No one, but next gen, next gen. I mean, it stuck, it, it launched, you know, this ongoing, franchise of star trek but also it was hugely influential for 90s television because you look at all of the shows the sci-fi shows that really were trying to piggyback on the success of next gen in the 90s Mm -hmm. from sequest and even you could argue the x-files before it became successful in its own right i mean there was a huge boom of science fiction in the 90s and i think primarily because the next generation was so successful on Mm -hmm. syndication but also it was a pioneer of direct to syndication television Mm -hmm. which led to shows like xena and hercules and all those kind of shows i mean it was a hugely influential series but i mean it could have been a show that lasted half a season and now you get it on DVD and there's eight episodes and you're like, ha ha, I remember when they tried to do Star Trek again, but it wasn't, yeah. it was hugely successful. And I mean, I, the, the, the writers and producers have a big part of that, but I think the cast has a huge part of that as well. So mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to see them being recognized like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of how it couldn't have gone on, Charles, you mentioned that's a good I remember, I know people have seen this many times. Patrick Stewart said his agent told him to do the show. He was, you know, he's English. He's like, I don't want to do that. And his agent's like, look, man, you get, you'll get a you get a trip to California. You can hang out for a bit, get a little paycheck. It's not going to last because it's science fiction. Nobody's going to reproduce Star Trek, and then you'll be back in London <laughs> with a paycheck. Uh, Patrick Stewart right. said by his his own admission, he didn't unpack for like six months when he got the gig. Right. He's like, this is not going to last. And then, of course, Michael Dorn, as a as a Klingon who was part of the crew, Michael Dorn also didn't think it was going to last. And he said when he first started the show, although everybody there, you know, that cast is such good friends. They're literally like godparents to each other. Several of them have yeah. dinner together. They get together for vacation and and cruises and stuff. Michael Dorn said when he first got there, they weren't rude to him. But they didn't, nobody kind of talked to him because everybody was sure he wasn't going to last because they're like, he's a Klingon. <laughs> and, <All right. laughs> and then now he's like, like the most, I think he has the most appearances of any regular yep. person in Trek You're history. Right. So yep. uh, amazing. Yeah. So yeah, give him credit. Yeah. On the Monkeying Around podcast, we had an interview with one of the new monkeys, Marty Ross, yeah. uh, which is a fantastic two part episode you all, you all go listen to. But he was, he was talking about how, they were at an event, like a like mm-hmm. a network kind of a thing, and the cast of The Next Generation was there, and he was talking to Jonathan Frakes, wow. and Jonathan Frakes' attitude was like, wow, the monkeys, that's a great show to bring back. <laughs> we're never going to last, but you guys are going to be huge. <laughs> and oh, it was awesome. vice versa. <laughs> that is awesome, yeah. yeah. Frakes at that yeah. time was a dude who was mostly known as being from North and South, back when mm-hmm. we had TV miniseries. I don't right. know if he was yet known as Jeannie Francis, the soap opera star's man yet, <laughs> but that was that was kind of most of his claim to fame. And he talks about how when he was starting out, he had had a gig playing Captain America at like right. seriously, yeah, like like supermarket openings and stuff like that. And so yeah. later on, he's like, and now I'm a, I'm a director of a Star Trek alum. That's yeah. pretty cool stuff. Uh, there's photos out there, and I, you know what, I can see young <laughs> Frakes playing Captain America. Oh yes, in a yeah. so. that would have been good. Yes, yeah. Yeah, All right. painted garbage let's, can lid. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on a bit because we've had some news now about Section 31. 
Um, we still don't have a confirmation of when it's set, like what time period right. Star Trek is set in. But they they've released a, a a sort of a teaser photo of Michelle Yeoh, and there's a clapperboard that says Section Thirty One in front of her. But behind her looks like Discovery sets. So I don't know if they just happen to have Discovery sets available, and she took a photo there, or if it's going to be you know, maybe going back to the time period she came from and there's more discovery type ships or, or what, but they've also announced cast members mm-hmm. for the film. Um, and I'm just going to name these off. Uh, Omari Hardwick, Casey Rawl, mm. uh, Emmy winner, Sam Richardson, Sven Rudgrock, Robert Kaczynski, Humberly Gonzalez, and James Hirakuya. So, um, I know some of these folks are have been in well-known things. Sam Richardson is an Emmy winner. He was in Ted Lasso. Uh, Omari Hardwick was in the show Power. Casey Rawl was in Hannibal. I got to be honest, yeah. though. I'm not really familiar with any of these people. No, I'm not familiar with any of them. <laughs> like, all the things they, they've done are not things that I have ever had any interest in yeah. watching. It's, it's kind of fun, though, for me to be yeah. like listing the, the cast members of uh-huh. a Star Trek film, and I have to like slow down and pronounce their names properly because I've never heard them before. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure I'll be intimately familiar with these people in the future because they were in a Star Trek film. But right now, they haven't been. Yeah, The one that absolutely caught my, my eye uh, when you said that is Omari Hardwick. Omari okay. Hardwick is a brother who is, for anybody who watches like BET movies, bad BET movies and Tyler Perry movies and stuff like that, he like always shows up as the, this kind of hunk. That's like okay. his thing. You know, he's always like some really hunky guy that the woman falls in love with or some really cool, sexy cop or something like that. And as you said, okay. he's in he's a, he's in Power, which is a show all about sex and power and money and beautiful people. So I'm curious to see what his role is going to be on Star Trek. I, yeah. hope, I hope uh, he's Section a scientist. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That would be amazing. I would expect yeah. he's probably going to be a hunk. Probably. <laughs> but he should be a nerdy hunk. Uh, maybe. Maybe. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, we have a comment. Uh, our buddy Wayne has Yay! joined Wayne! us and says, hey, y'all. Hey, Wayne. Welcome hey, to the y'all. show. Hey, y'all. What's up, Wayne? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, now, Section 31, they've begun production in Toronto. Um, it was written by Craig, Craig Sweeney, and it's being directed by Olatunde Onsensanmi, who we've, we're familiar with. From They've both worked on Discovery, and Olatunde mm-hmm. is one of the big directors on Discovery. Yeah. And his work, some of it I've liked. Um, he directed the season three premiere, which I thought was fantastic, and he did a great job with it. Some of it, I feel like it's um, it falls into that Discovery thing where, to me, sometimes the camera moves don't feel motivated. It yeah. feels more like the director got bored of the scene and so now <laughs> the camera's upside mm-hmm. down and the camera's spinning around because people are yes. talking too long. I don't know what to do, but, yes. but he can be very good. I mean, like I said, the, that season three premiere of discovery, I thought the camera moves were fantastic and very dynamic and I thought it worked very well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him moving into Star Trek features. Um, but I mean, we, this is the first Star Trek direct to streaming film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do we think about Star Trek doing direct to streaming films? I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, a lot of their series is almost direct to streaming films the way that they're doing it. Right. It's it's almost a mini movie every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Discovery is a mini movie every okay. week almost, it seems like. So right. this seems like an extra logical step, and hopefully they'll be able to be more concise. <laughs> 
<laughs> if they have more limited time and don't try and stretch it out and put in fillers, but then don't actually tell the story because they're doing the fillers. <laughs> so maybe they can focus more yeah. <laughs> in that amount of time. What about you, Keith? Yeah, I am older than Veronica. So I grew up True. in a time where the TV movie of the week was a thing. And oh, yeah. there was ABC, NBC, CBS. There was a movie of the week. Even the original Incredible Hulk series with Bill Bixby started doing a bunch of movies, uh, TV movies. And that was a big thing, mm-hmm. too. You would have a series and then you would have some movies, sometimes to resolve it, sometimes to bring it back when they wouldn't get a series order. So I think what Veronica said is absolutely great, which is do a movie. You can tell a really good, tight story. You don't have to have filler. You can bring in really interesting characters and kind of kill them off if you need to. And it makes, you know, the work in the movie. And I think it allows you to do not just one thing, but several things. So let's do a section 31 movie. Let's do, um, you know, let's do another movie with, um, the Romulans and see what's going on with them. I, I think the possibilities are endless with mm-hmm. the movie. I'm also, I've said this before. I have personal issues with section 31 as depicted in Discovery. Right. I know we've talked yep. about this before, but to me, this it should be an organization that is 100% kind of mysterious. And I know some people said, well, you know, they introduced them. And basically, at the end of the day, they were introduced in Enterprise. And then they were they were clandestine. And they talk about them in Deep Space Nine, which is where they were truly introduced. And they were clandestine. And in the Deep Space Nine time, they even doubted their existence because you could never find proof of their existence. Not really. Mm-hmm. But then you jump back a couple of centuries to Discovery and they have a freaking Everyone's fleet. Like- <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, God, it's Section 39. Actually, one, and they show up with badges. And I right. just don't buy it. And I know people say, well, it was, a, it was a couple of centuries later. Look, I'm sorry, but if there was like a clandestine organization that was assassinating people at the time of Revolutionary War, I think we'd still remember it. And so I've never liked that portrayal of them. I I say all this long diatribe to say, I think a TV movie (laughs) will work best for what I like, because as Veronica said, get in and get out. Because I think even if it's really good, unless Section 31 is 100% clandestine, I think a whole bunch of shows where they're kind of public would kind of get on my nerves. So that's another reason. Um, And I also wonder at the same time, is it practical now? Because do you think Michelle Yeoh can even commit to it? Well, you know, she just did a TV series. She just did a really great series on Netflix. She may come back to called The Brother's Son, um, which I highly recommend. But I wonder if she would even have time to do a full series. Well, she she's done series for Disney and for Netflix, so it might be if you have enough money, she's available for your series. <laughs> Otherwise, or she really likes the story, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah, and I I agree with you, but just as devil's advocate, I'll say that uh-huh. on Trials and Tribulations, no one had any idea that the the Klingons had smooth foreheads a century earlier. <laughs> they were true. very surprised about that. So. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you know folks like Bashir and O'Brien had no idea there was a Section Thirty One a hundred wow. because <laughs> uh, we have some comments. I want to get All to right. quick. Uh, our buddy Nick Wright says, "Hey, hey folks, biggest news for me from the Section Thirty One casting is that there's no Shazad Latif as Ash Tyler." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do we know why that is the case? Actually, I'm glad you said that, Nick. I just read an article last night that said he won't appear. And I don't know why. Oh. I don't yeah. either. And I know that he was 
he was doing the Captain Nemo series. I don't know if that's still in production or if it's wrapped, mm. yeah. but I know that Disney has canceled it and they're shopping it around now. So I don't yeah. know what the status of that even is. Yeah. But I like Shazad Latif and I would yeah. have expected him to appear in a section 31 if, I mean, if she's going back to the 23rd century, if she's going to the 25th century. I wouldn't expect to see Lasagna's teeth, you know? So we, uh, so we did, we still don't know. Like she went through the, the guardian of forever doorway. We don't know where she ended up. Yep. So maybe she's going back to where she started and maybe she's not. So I, that's sort of up in the air, but I would have liked to have seen him and I would have liked to have seen Mary Chifo. Yes. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I'm, I would watch a series about them and the Klingon empire right. at that time. That would be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They have genuine presence. All of them, Michelle yes. Yo and Mary and, Ash, and uh, gosh, Ash, <laughs> the character. <laughs> yeah, they all have genuine, genuine presence and I'd love to see them back. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we have another comment from Wayne who says Playhouse 90 movie of the week and um, Saturday night at the movies. I really miss the 90 minute format. And I agree with wow. you. I was just talking the other day about TV movies. And in fact, like there was a lot of characters like um, Perry Mason. I originally knew from movies before I knew of the yeah. show because when I was, I grew I was born in 1980. So, you mm-hmm. know, Perry Mason, Columbo, I knew them from TV movies before I before I had gone back and watched the shows that they were in because that yeah. was what was big at the time. It was you know, back in the day you just watched what was on TV. <laughs> yeah, know? I'm gonna I'm gonna super age myself and I remember the Disney movies that used to come out almost every week, like every other week or once a month, like Xenon Girl, the twenty first century. And um <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> Halloween Town. And- oh, I remember that. <laughs> And um, there, there was just a bunch of them, and they're like iconic for me. And I get so excited. I used to get so excited when I found them again on Disney, and they were playing them. So that was that was, that was my TV movies. All right. I remember those out, and I agree that. And, I, and Wayne, dude, brother, you want to talk about a deep dive and a callback? Playhouse ninety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going back to like the fifties now, and <laughs> right, yeah. And I'll have to start tossing out things like Alcoa presents and so forth, right. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on because there's some other movie news. Now, um, I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart revealed in a podcast that there was a new movie script featuring Jean-Luc Picard in the works. And no one knows anything about what this is or what he's talking about. No. So um, I don't know. I don't. They've made some other announcements since then, none of Mm -hmm. which have been about Patrick Stewart. Yeah. so the quote is, after we finished recording our seven seasons of Next Generation, we made four Star Trek movies of varying qualities, the best one being First Contact, <laughs> read by Jonathan Frakes. He was one of the people who had the most influence on me on the show because of his experience and his understanding of the complexities and how bringing different qualities onto the stage was very, very important in diversity and change. So it's an ongoing procedure for me. I had only last night, I heard only last night about a script that is being written but written specifically with the actor Patrick Stewart to play in it. And I've been told to expect to receive it within a week or so. I'm so excited because it sounds like the kind of project where the experimentation that I want to do will be essential for this kind of material. Um, so I don't know. I, well, what do we think about if they were to do a Patrick Stewart-led Star Trek film or just one that features him? Okay. Well said. <laughs> Yeah, because because experimentation. Yeah, I feel like you get a lot of experimentation with Picard seasons one and two. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, my thought is 
if there is a Star Trek movie with Patrick Stewart in it, I will 100% watch it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can guarantee yeah. that. Yeah. Just, just as much as you can guarantee that the sun is going to go, the earth mm-hmm. is going to go around the sun tomorrow. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm never going to say, eh, I've had enough Patrick Stewart in nope. Star Trek. Right. No, no but Patrick Stewart. That's not possible. I felt like season three of Picard left him in a good place. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I would be a little bit nervous about what this would be if it happened. And I don't know that just as a franchise, I don't know that Star Trek needs to continue banking on 80 plus year old actors or legacy characters. You know, yeah. I, I don't I don't want Star Trek to be solely a nostalgia property. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with it. Again, if it's a TV movie, I, they even mentioned right. was it a theatrical movie or TV. They movie? didn't say it's, anything. No. Yeah, I think, again, in keeping with a TV movie, I'm fine with it. I don't know if I, we need it at the big screen. Although right. uh, I'll leave that alone, um, but <laughs> I'll stop the disparage some other franchise in the Star Trek universe. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a TV movie. It could work. Although I agree with Veronica, we cannot go back to the aesthetics of the first two seasons of Picard because right. while what what they were attempting to do was laudable, and that was the only reason he even came back as Picard because he didn't yeah. want to do a TNG reunion, they didn't. Yeah. They missed the mark. Um, I just don't think they have the right writing crew behind that. So right. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, he's such a magnetic actor. I w- I'd be fine with seeing a, a TV movie with him. Right. Well, back to the Star Trek movie news. Apparently, there is still hope that Star Trek Four with the Kelvin cast will happen. <laughs> but in addition to that, Paramount um, Pictures has another Star Trek feature film in development. Reports say the film expands on the Star Trek universe. J.J. Abrams is producing, and to direct, they tap Toby Haynes, who is nominated for an Emmy for Andor and is a Hugo winner for his work on Doctor Who. And Deadline reports that the Haynes Star Trek movie is an origin story that takes place decades before the 2009 Star Trek movie. So presumably it's also set in the Kelvin universe, assuming it is set after the attack on the Kelvin. Seth Graham Smith, uh, known for the Lego Batman movie and Beetlejuice 2, is writing the script. And this comes from trekmovie.com via Variety and the Hollywood Reporter. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like announcing more Star Trek movies when you haven't made a Star Trek movie in yep. almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to get excited about it. We've had a lot of Star right. Trek movie announcements over the last decade, and I've seen very few new Star Trek movies since 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. And when they said that, they did not indicate that, the, well, since it's a prequel or it's, it's in the few past of their past, then none of the movie crew from the three movies of the Abrams first will be there, right? So no Zoe Donna, Chris Pine, and so forth. I guess. Presumably. But yeah. who knows? Yeah. Right. And I mean, they, they say it's a prequel specifically to the Kelvin verse movies. Yeah. But if it's decades before the Kelvin verse movies, wouldn't that also be in the prime timeline? But if it's before the attack on the Kelvin? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's, I know that unless they like start with it, like right after the attack on the Kelvin, like Could that's be. the opening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they just actually document those like 20 ish years because that's that's decades. Technically, that's plural decades. That's more than one decade. True. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. said, Toby Haynes is a talented guy and or is mm-hmm. a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. He also directed um, the Black Mirror episode USS Callister, which was the Star Trek take off that they did on black mirror oh, i didn't make that he's, connection he's a big nerd and a big star trek fan i know seth graham okay. smith is a big nerd as well he did like the 
Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and um, Pride oh, and yeah. and Zombies and that kind of stuff. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I would be thrilled if someone could make a Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't there, wasn't there talk yeah. about that um, Black Mirror episode getting a spinoff mm-hmm. series? Yeah, there's talk there about was. a spinoff series of that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I have watched every one of the Abramsverse movies. And I, you know, so I keep calling it Abramsverse, even though I know I should call it Kelvinverse. <laughs> Um, I will watch them as good sci-fi. I don't get excited about them because I just truly don't care about further development in an alternate universe. Right. But also, but, I, but here's the thing. I will enjoy them. Star Trek Beyond. Is that the third one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beyond was a good movie. Straight up good yep. movie. Um, I did, Again, I'm always mad because it's a net universe, but I enjoyed the movie. I always wish that we could go back to the original timeline if we're going to do a movie. But the one thing I asked about that, Charles, is because I just, I didn't publish it. I just read an interview with uh, Zoe Zaldana yesterday where she said she really, really wants one more crack. And by the way, my camera just went off. I think we're good. I'm good. Uh, Zoe Zaldana. Okay. Zoe Zaldana says she really, really wants one more crack at a movie. And she said she talked to Chris Pine and some of the others, and they all say they want to do at least one more movie. But she said she talked to some of the folks and they said, oh, yeah, we would like to do that. But honestly, I wonder, to your point, people keep saying all this stuff. I wonder yeah. if they just kind of said that to her and then she's going to find out, oh, yeah, we're going to do a movie, but it's not. It's going to be like 100 years before you were born or whatever. Yeah. So I don't even know what yeah. that means. Because So to your point, yeah. it was more and my phone actually said. Star Trek movie news. And I read it and that was it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my preference would be, I mean, they, they spent the last seven years building up these directors and writers and producers mm-hmm. and actors. They yeah. are more than capable in the television division of doing uh, movie level stuff. You don't need a theatrical yeah. movie, but I think what you do need a theatrical movie for is to sort of raise the balloon about Star Trek. It gets people excited. There's yeah. a legitimacy to theatrical movies and a big right. media push that I think is beneficial for Star Trek and that, mm-hmm. that people will see that and think, Oh, I do like Star Trek. Oh, there's more of it on Paramount plus. Mm-hmm. I think it would be smart yeah. to do that. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but I remember when the 2009 movie came out and Star Trek had mm-hmm. been dead for, a, for several years at that point. Yeah. Right. But I went into work and all of a sudden all the guys out in the parking lot were talking about the new Star Trek movie, <laughs> which was so weird. <laughs> and then I stopped by Burger King for my lunch because I wanted to get the Star Trek commemorative glasses they had. Uh-huh. And I walked in and there was a young, like a teenager talking to his presumably girlfriend about, oh, I just saw that movie with my mom last night. That was an awesome movie. And she's like, oh, that was an awesome movie. And I looked from them talking over to the drive through where the lady in the drive through was explaining to the guy that they were out of Mr. Spock glasses. <laughs> and it was like I was in a parallel universe <laughs> where everyone just liked Star Trek. That was a really strange day. And I would love to have more days like that. But the thing with Paramount Plus is it's behind a paywall. So unless yeah. you want to watch Star Trek, you're not going to pay to get on Paramount Plus and watch Star Trek. Yep. Absolutely. So the thing about a film is that it's out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. If there's a big media push. There's merchandising. So I would love if they could get a new Star Trek movie off the ground. I don't know if this is the team that's going to do it. We've had several announcements of of crews that were uh, the next Star Trek movie, and we haven't seen them yet. So I wish Star Trek. I mean, I wish Paramount could just get out of their own way and make a good Star Trek movie. Yeah, and then they could plan the second one. You know, I, I don't see any reason to announce two of them if you don't have one of them. So <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, I, and that's a point you made. I hadn't even thought about, which is put it in the theater because it gets people out. Cause I have, 
I have friends and relatives who say they just don't, they don't have the money to allocate to yet another paywall, you know, Paramount Plus. Right. And so they haven't watched some of these things. So that would be good. And I also think in a really strange reference, we were just talking before the show about the Godzilla minus one movies, mm-hmm. which were made for ridiculous budget, 15, 10, 15 million dollars and of doing a great gangbusters. And to what you're saying, Charles, the time is kind of great to strike while the iron's hot because cinema is big again for the moment with mm-hmm. Oppenheimer and Barbie. And right. and what's that movie with, um, gosh, the Poor lady things. she's like, Poor Things, thank you. You got it. And I didn't even know what I was saying. <laughs> so it's I mean, kind that of was good right time. after those two. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to get people interested in the theater. So it's, it's a good time for Star Trek to try to come out. I think it, I think it mm-hmm. would work right now. But you know, and they made Godzilla minus one for only fifteen million dollars, like you said. Yes, uh-huh. but it's also the first Godzilla movie to be nominated for an Academy Award. So I mean, you you can you can do great work and yes. get it out there and get publicity mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. spending two hundred million dollars plus two hundred million dollars of marketing, so that the film has to make a billion dollars at the global box office to even be successful. Yeah, you know, which yeah. which is the the hurdle that Star Trek can't seem to get over. So yeah. mm-hmm. I would be I'd be fine if they made a twenty million dollars Star Trek movie and put out in theaters, oh, but. I know they're not going to put the marketing push behind something like that. I don't think they will. I think Paramount wants it to be like Mission Impossible, Transformers. They want another they franchise. Do. So I don't know. They I, have a franchise. They need to do a movie that's in the franchise universe to get people more excited about the franchise and then go spend money on Paramount Plus or whatever it's going to end up being called when they get bought out. Right. Well, we'll yeah. get to that. So before we get to that, let's take a, a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some of uh, some about Paramount Plus and what's going on with it, perhaps, and what we think the future of it might be. The Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2262. The place, Babylon 5. The podcast, The Epsilon 3. On the ESO Network. Well, welcome back. Let's get into Paramount Plus. Uh, so first thing up, just to, to brighten everyone's spirits, that all 10 TOS and TNG movies exited Paramount Plus and went back to Max and HBO. When Again. did that happen? Uh, this that- happened... Um, it says at the beginning of 2024. Yeah, no, it was January 2nd. So it was uh, after the new okay. year. Yeah. About a month ago, the Star Trek movies went back over to Max and HBO and off of Paramount Plus. And that's after that year that they were promoting the home of all Star Trek. Yeah. And then they axed yeah. Prodigy and now they're, you know, you're licensing off their stuff again. Um, Why which I get Max? it. They're, I, I mean, I guess that Max made them a good deal and Paramount Plus needs the money. <sighs> Jeez. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sort of goes down to like, I mean, the, the big selling point of Paramount Plus was that for us, I mean, there's other people have different things. People like, you know, other shows. But for yeah. us, for Star Trek, it was that we're going to have all Star Trek in this one space and yep. you pay for it and you get new Star Trek. We're going to have Star Trek all year. 
Um, not, mm-hmm. I mean, we had about a year where we had a year of Star Trek. Every week there was new Star Trek. Some weeks there All was right. two episodes of new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I mean, would it be would are we better off with Paramount Plus, or would we be better off if they axed Paramount Plus and went back to what they're doing right now with Prodigy and Netflix and yes. just producing Star Trek and licensing it off to yes. whoever wants to pay for it. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I think it'd be better to go back the old way. Um, Cause this is just not working. I was actually reading it's relate. It's different, but related. I was just reading earlier today that Paramount plus announced that in certain markets in the world, they're going to start cutting. Uh, well, non, um, what is it? International films, um, right. films not outside of America. And the reason that's significant, I mean, some of them, there were some, there were some films and TV shows I was interested in. So I watch a lot of fair outside the United States. But the reason that was important, whether one liked it or not, is the CEO said specifically they were going to focus more on, I forget the way he said it, but the paraphrase was it was big franchises and blockbuster things that had greater international appeal. And so, yeah. so what you said earlier, Charles, what he's basically saying is we're going to focus on the Mission Impossibles. We're going to focus on those things. I'm kind of like, you can get that stuff anywhere. You can get it yeah. you know, on the Blu-ray. You can rent it. You can video on demand it. I don't want streamers to just give me the stuff that made the most money at the box office. Mm-hmm. You know, I want the you know I want the things like the Star Trek and stuff that that's different and special. And also, as good as Star Trek is, the movie Star Trek to me still is at its best as a television show for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons. And so, I'm a little tired of Paramount playing around with this thing. It's so frustrating because it went from Netflix to CBS All Access to Paramount, some on Hulu, this and that. It's very frustrating. Um, outside of even finding where to keep it up, it's it's a financial burden for again for people. Again, I have p- people I know they cannot afford to pay Netflix, Hulu, Paramount Plus, Max, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, back in the good old days of 2013, when I first cut cable, all things track on Netflix. I still have Netflix. So yeah. I agree with Veronica wholeheartedly. Let's just put it somewhere on Netflix. Maybe we won't get as many shows, but maybe it'll be as, be more consistent than this. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is really frustrating. Yeah. And now you mentioned the old way. And in the old way, mm-hmm. like I remember it wasn't that long ago that you could watch all the old Star Trek shows on Netflix, on yeah. HBO, on yeah. Hulu. They were on every streaming platform. Yes. Amazon yeah. Prime. Mm-hmm. But we also didn't have new Star Trek shows yeah. for yeah. many years. Right. So I don't know what the trade-off would be. I mean, mm-hmm. now that like CBS Studios is licensing out Prodigy to Netflix, and it seems to be successful. There was a there was a news story here that says Star mm-hmm. Trek Prodigy launches into kids' top ten ranking on Netflix. And I think that I mean, if and that's a big if if Paramount Plus were to fold, um, I mean, I think that Strange New Worlds is very marketable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's very like original Star Trek. Like if if anyone mm-hmm. who has ever watched Star Trek, I think would be into Strange New Worlds. Right. Um, Star Trek Legacy, I think that would be very remarkable as well. Yes. It's, you know, the Definitely. seven of nine, the Enterprise, the, the a bunch of kids of the next generation characters. Mm-hmm. I think you could license that and sell it to Amazon or Netflix or easily Disney yep. or whomever. Yes. Um, And it might get more eyeballs. But I mean, there there wouldn't be the Paramount Plus entity that has a vested interest in having new Star Trek. And I don't, I don't think that I don't think that they're unwilling or that they're disinterested in having Star Trek. I think they're just running out of money. They're the, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think they don't have enough of a subscriber base and there's not don't enough of us do movie budget things for every episode. <gasps> what? Yeah, there was a, 
I didn't pull this up, but there was a, a report recently that had the, the basically the budget breakdown for mm-hmm. Star Trek Picard season three. And they, 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 they talked a lot about how they were, you know, tight on budget. They had, that's mm-hmm. why so much of the show was on the ship and so forth. They still had 10 minute, $10 million per episode. Almost as show. much as an Academy nominated <sighs> movie. Yeah. Now, a lot of that I would expect <sighs> there's a lot of over the line costs because, you know, if I'm Michael Dorn, I'm not coming back for cheap. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he's got a, he's got a, Zorn's got a jet to buy. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and these shows tend to have a lot of producers, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're spending on these streaming shows like their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that. $10 million? That. Yeah. And the, I mean, Bronca, you make a good point that, I mean, that I, I don't think Star Trek needs to be a $10 million no. episode show. No. no. For one, no. you don't need 20 producers. No. no. You know, but I think that Star Trek works best. And I've said this on the show, I don't know how many times, but when it's a couple of characters in a single location, show episodes yep. like Duet, where mm-hmm. it's about the drama and you have to write good dialogue, you have to write good science fiction, you have to write good television because that's all you've got is what you can write. <laughs> you know, we, right. we can afford a guest star and the set we already own and what you got. And I think Star Trek thrives in that environment or yeah. it can. Yeah, and and actually, we were just talking earlier about the um, the classic City on the Edge of Forever, which, mm-hmm. if you think about it, takes place on the ship. Then it takes place on a little set where they show the Guardian of Forever and a couple of like stone pillars lying on the ground. And then they used a studio backlot that who knows how many movies were filmed in that backlot mm-hmm. when they went to New York. So it was not an expensive episode, and yeah. but yeah. it's a, it's a great episode. So I, I agree with you completely. And one of our favorites of, of Strange New Worlds is the courtroom episode. Yeah, and you're right. They filmed that on the 40 acres back lot. And people to this day, I still see people on Facebook discovering for the first time that they walked past Floyd's Barbershop. Because they're in Mayberry. <laughs> All right. We had a couple of comments. Let's grab real quick from Wayne. Okay. First off, he said, felt nerdy. I love that commercial. I laugh Thank every you. time. Thank Me you. Too. Time. A great commercial. You know, follow Felt Nerdy on YouTube, please. Yes. And also Wayne said, I can't help but feel that since its conception, Paramount Plus has been stepping on its crank when advertising Star Trek. (laughs) Yep. And and yeah, I mean, there's a that's always been the case. Trekkies will always be complaining about Paramount. That's been the case for as as long as there's been a Paramount and Star Trek connection. Yeah. But um, I mean, to their credit, we've had more Star Trek shows since cbs all access and paramount plus launched than we had in the decade prior yeah um which for good or bad um whether we can disagree with the way they've managed the franchise or not but the fact that we've Mm -hmm. got new star trek to talk about is something to talk about um yeah i don't know but there's been some some talk lately about um paramount plus has been in merger talks paramount plus there's there's now being bids to to buy it out and take it over um yeah, I mean, Sherry Redstone was considering selling her controlling stake in Paramount Global. Mm-hmm. Redstone, via her company National Amusements, owns 10% of Paramount Global, but more importantly, 80% of the voting shares in the media company. Wow. Um, now, I know she's held out on selling out, yeah. but um, she's not getting younger. And I think it, the time's coming that where she's going to sell out. And yeah. I mean, Scott Ants Media, owned by David Ellison, and a private equity firm, Redbird Capital, are in early talks with Redstone. I know that um, Skydance has made an offer um, for Paramount Global. Um, and, I mean, more recently, 
there was a t- there was a, a bid from Byron Allen for forty fourteen billion dollars to buy Paramount Global. Um, prior to that, there was um, there were meetings taking place between Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global about a merger. Um, oh, which God, Warner Brothers no. Discovery is no. You know, they've got the DC Universe. They've got Max. No. Yeah, I think happen. that to me that's the worst case scenario. Oh because... no, not David Zasloff, the guy behind Honey Boo Boo over Star Trek. Uh uh-uh. uh. Right. Well, for me as a as a sci fi fan, they immediately when when back when Warner Brothers Discovery became Warner Brothers Discovery and they mm-hmm. made Max into Max, they yeah. immediately axed all the cool sci fi shows all, that yep. were on Max and then jettisoned yep. them. Yes. Um, Raised by Wolves, Westworld, all that stuff went out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the way DC has handled their DC universe, I wouldn't. I, I would Paramount. We're lucky to have Paramount by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So I would not want, at all. I would not want <laughs> there to be a Warner Brothers Discovery merger. Um, no, I mean it, it's possible that they would treat Star Trek better, but. Uh, <laughs> It's also possible that they would give it a season and then axe it and dump it off the franchise. Absolutely. And we'd have to wait and see if it shows up on Tubi later <laughs> in order to yes. watch it, you know? <laughs> and also, there's been a lot of that stuff that hasn't had physical media releases, mm-hmm. um, which is to me is even worse. Like, if yes. you're not, if you, if you're, yeah. shows have always been canceled. Yeah. Right. I'm a sci fi fan. Shows I love have always been canceled. Yeah. Yes. But at least I could buy them. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. own them. You know, um, so the the fact that they're they're not releasing things on physical media is troubling. But also, I hate the idea that you know at any at any given point they could just say, you know what, we changed our minds. Your show's off our network. You're never gonna see it ever again. Yeah, I mean that's like worse than having missed an episode when you had to watch the episode live. I mean, you wouldn't be able to watch it for a while, but eventually it would come back around in syndication. You could get it. Physical media. Yeah, you could buy, you know, a VHS with two episodes on it for twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, you knew it was reruns. Uh, you could you could wait right. for reruns if you could wait till the summertime. Uh, you yeah. could set a VCR, which I did so many times. Uh, yeah, I think that, and I, I think the frustration is, you know, as Charles, you made a you made a very very good point. First off, as a fan of anything, but especially as a fan of science fiction, you know, the old ridiculously overused term. That's what they call a show business. I get it. But it's right. so frustrating. But there's a way to treat it and there's a way to treat it. And the way these things being treated now is much more callous and mercenary than I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like you said, it's one thing. Shows get canceled all the time. But this thing of pulling media is weird and absolutely new. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, you, know, you cancel a yeah. Batgirl movie, and usually you cancel stuff. Back in the days of Blockbuster, you find it on a VCR, a VCH, VHS tape in the back of the store. But like they canceled the Batgirl movie, which is related, and now you can't find it anywhere. I don't know if you'll ever be able to find it because it's cheaper for them to not even let it release. That's a strange thing. That mindset yeah. kind of scares me. Yeah, and I mean, as far as like like taking parent like taking Prodigy off of Paramount Plus, for instance. I mean that that's not too dissimilar from back in the day when a show would get canceled off a network they would yeah. they, they wouldn't air it anymore, right? <laughs> you know, you right. have to wait and see if someone else aired the reruns or mm-hmm. wait and see if it came out on VHS or something. But yeah, yeah, back then when a show was canceled, it was canceled. But usually you wouldn't complete a film and then just not release it <laughs> because it's cheaper yeah. to not make a movie. It's like it's like the producers where they they make more money by not making movies than they did by making movies. You know. <laughs> 
Yeah, because back in the oh my day, God, I forgot that's what that was about. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and back in the day, the whole concept was direct to video when it was when it was not good or it wasn't going to mm-hmm. make money. And now, direct to video in this case is kind of gone. So that mindset getting control of Star Trek really scares me. And as you said, Warner Brothers Discovery is literally becoming a chimera, this giant mass. Uh, Gosh, what was the episode we saw where they, um, was that Lower Decks where they spoofed? Um, You know, Lower Decks where all the the creature kept absorbing everybody and they ended up in this huge mass of beings. That's what Warner Brothers Discovery is becoming. And I am terrified. (laughs) I agree with you. Paramount by compare Paramount by the comparison is great. I am terrified of track getting on a Warner Brothers Discovery slash whatever that thing will be. That terrifies the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah for me, the, I guess the best case scenario out of the merger talk or the acquisition yeah. talk we've heard so far mm-hmm. would be Skydance. At least Skydance was a producing partner on the Kelvin movies. They've had yeah. some Star Trek involvement before. They've got some kind of investment there, and they've got a relationship with Alex Kurtzman. So hopefully that would be a beneficial relationship. And I would hope that if they purchase Paramount Global, that Paramount Plus would continue to exist. Um, yeah. If not, then I would hope that CBS Studios would at least be motivated to, to do what they were doing with Prodigy and license it out. Because I think Star Trek is very marketable. Oh, yeah. And I think Star yeah. Trek could be even bigger than it is now if more people could see it without mm-hmm. having to subscribe. You know, I, yes. I think that if, if it was on Netflix or if it was on Amazon Prime or something like that, I think that maybe it would have more eyeballs on it. So that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But yeah. man, I, I really, I really did like that dream they sold us on of the Param- basically Paramount Plus being the Star Trek channel. Yeah. You get new Star Trek year round. Yeah. And we had a year at least of new Star Trek mm. year round, and it was great. So I, I'm, it seems that burble, that bubble has burst. I don't think, I don't think it's a, a lack of, wanting to i don't think ever paramount plus decided they hate star trek and they don't want to burn it now but the fact that they're they're hemorrhaging money and they're they're having to make choices that i don't necessarily agree with yeah and all the mergers choices and costuming and lighting and <laughs> everything else. you mean they're spending too much on the show yes. now they don't have enough money yeah well, yes, that could be correct well also all the, all the mergers when, when warner brothers discovery did the merger they immediately took on something on the order of 50 billion dollars in debt just because of wow. the merger and that's why they right. had to dump all this this stuff and that that becomes very frustrating uh skydance could work yeah i agree because i don't love alex kurtzman but he's been over stuff so you know as long as he can hire good talent and keep the good talent that he has in place that may be the best scenario right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex Kurtzman, I don't creatively, I'm not huge on Alex Kurtzman, but what he mm-hmm. seems to have done with Star Trek is he'll hire people with a vision for Star Trek yeah. and he just lets them do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that works out really well, like Mike McMahon yeah. or mm-hmm. um, Terry, whose name I last time I just blanked Metallus? on. Metallus, thank yeah. you very much. Uh-huh. What was Brian <laughs> correcting me on the producer's name? I wasn't sure if that was a current no, one or, or no. a past one. <laughs> uh, but then sometimes you get like um, Brian Fuller or Michael Shabon or that yeah. guy who made very short treks. And if they make something that I don't care for. So it, it can go either way, but at least he's willing to bring people in and let them do their thing. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's been instrumental in just keeping Star Trek on television. Yeah. And right. he's been motivated to do so. Yeah. Uh, we had another comment from Wayne which says all about the Benjamins takes on a whole new meaning. Nowadays, the product itself has no value, just its ability to pull in revenue. I miss you, Rod Serling. Um, And I think that for the money folks, that's always been the case. There's always been, you know, the business people like Mm -hmm. Keith alluded to, but also the creatives um, who do the show. So, I mean, 
unfortunately the money the money folks uh have the ability and i mean their their job is to make money for the shareholders their yeah. their job is not to be artists so unfortunately the artists are having to thrive in that environment so i don't know if i if i had my druthers and i could pick anyone to take over star trek it would be apple tv yeah that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say hey yeah, yeah, they're not even in talks, but that's what I want because, because App- they actually do it. Apple TV has had a great run of science fiction shows, one yes. after the other, and they're doing high high quality stuff. I don't I don't follow Apple TV's business stuff like I do Paramount Plus, so I don't know mm-hmm. what shape they're in or if Apple TV is going to be viable in the future or not. Because there's there, I mean, there's been a big culling. I mean, everyone knows it. No one can afford all the streaming services, and no yep. one wants right. to. No, you know. I've never met a person who's like, yay, more streaming services. Nope. You know, they're, they're all going to have to consolidate or die um, because we need fewer streaming services. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just hope that Star Trek survives through all of it. Yeah. And one last thing you said, it's, it's very interesting because whenever I complain online about some of this, there's always someone and they mean well. And it's, and it's actually true. I don't, I don't mean it's disparate. People say, well, just get the DVDs or the Blu-rays. Which is absolutely viable, but believe it or not, I own almost no Star Trek on physical media, and I have been watching Star Trek for over well, it's a very long time, and and I don't own physical media because when I was growing up, you could always find Star Trek. It was always on television, and when I say always, I mean it was freaking always on television, and then special features. Eh, well, I've been watching it so long. I, I know those special features kind of by heart. <laughs> so, and so, and then when it was, like I said, Charles, earlier, when it was on Netflix, I've always had access. I just haven't bought Star Trek. So yeah. for me, if stuff goes away, like I have to buy like all the next generation, all of, um, I think I have the original series on VHS tape. I'd have to buy everything. That's a lot of money. Second and Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that said, though, and I'm a big physical media person. I've got yeah, I should be. DVDs and Blu-rays in the other room. Plus. But, I mean, <laughs> there's been the trend lately of not releasing things on physical media. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they want you to just subscribe. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's also the possibility that they'll produce Star Trek that they won't release. They, this hasn't happened yet. So far, they've always God. released all the Star Trek on physical media. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the possibility exists that that won't happen in the future. Um, so... I'll buy bootlegs. <laughs> so, same here. I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I hate for this to be doom and gloom. I, I, I think that Star Trek is, no matter what happens, I think Star Trek is a very viable and very sellable property. Yeah. I saw that with Prodigy. Netflix mm-hmm. immediately snatched it up. So far, it seems to have been successful on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to seeing season two of Prodigy on Netflix. I hope that it does very well there. Um unfortunately by the nature of prodigy if they decided today they wanted a season three of prodigy it's going to be like three years before yeah. they have it because it's it's yeah. the kind of show that takes that long to make yeah but um as far as i mean we've got coming up this year on paramount plus we've got in just like two two and a half months we don't know the exact date in april but in april we're getting this uh season five of star trek discovery Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we'll get lower decks later in the year i don't know what the tur- their turnaround time what they're looking at because everything was pushed back because of the strike i would be surprised if we saw strange new worlds this year no, it may be so. next year so yeah. i'm hoping there'll be a paramount plus still when strange new worlds mm-hmm. is ready to air <laughs> but that's sort of where we're at and then we uh, hopefully here i mean we're supposed to in 2024 get star trek prodigy on netflix uh, season two so i'm looking forward to getting that as well um yeah. so i mean the best thing that we can all do is just you know stream star trek legitimately whenever wherever we can yeah and um 
you know, make sure you're streaming Prodigy on Netflix because we want those Netflix numbers to be good because we want we want more Star Trek. And even if it's not Prodigy, we want Netflix to say, wow, people really like this Star Trek. Yeah. And if Paramount Plus goes bye bye, we want people lined up to say, hey, I'll, I'll pay for some more Star Trek. People seem to like that Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And I think you were talking about end on a positive note. I think if, if one thing history has shown is now going on 60 years is there's there's two properties in television that you absolutely know will always come back, even if they go away. Doctor Who and Star Trek. And yep. so if they blew it up tomorrow and Star Trek completely disappeared, it will be back at some point in time. Somebody will come along, someone younger, someone who's just looking for money, somebody who's looking to start up a new network. It will always come back. So I hope it doesn't go completely away, but it will always come back at some point in time because it's right. too valuable a franchise to die. Yeah, That ain't never happening. <laughs> All right. Keith, well, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find me on X and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? FeltNerdy.com. That's right. And any day now, tickets are going to go on sale for the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show at the Red Light Cafe, which debuts February 25th. So we're about to be hyping that nonstop everywhere everywhere you turn. You're going to see us on the sidewalk with a sign for it. <laughs> yep, and our new website finally went live. That's right. FeltNerdy.com is live where you can see photos and um, you can send us booking requests and uh, things like that and see our schedule of what's coming up. Yep. So check out feltnerdy.com if you get a chance. You can also follow the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show on Facebook if you like a dirty puppet show. And you can follow <laughs> Felt Nerdy on Facebook, which is our more clean, family-friendly stuff. But also you can, you can follow Felt Nerdy on YouTube, which if you're watching the video, you saw a commercial for just a little yeah. while ago. Yeah, and if you only heard the commercial and want to see the commercial, Go watch it. It's on there. That's right. It's great. And where else can people find us? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. And do you have a closing for us this week? Star Trek is forever. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. So join us next week. We go live on Thursdays talking about Star Trek. We'll have another Legacy Trek related topic next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then we'll be uh, we'll be getting jazzed up over the next several uh, months to get back into live Star Trek when Star Trek Discovery return to the screen so thanks everyone for joining us thanks everyone. all yep have a good night take care thank you for listening to earth station trek if you enjoyed the show please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform give us a positive rating you can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com you can join in the fun on our facebook group or follow us on twitter you can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com we'll see you next time live long and prosper This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.